Today, the Quantum Questions podcast on the subject of what is wealth? Lucy Patterson will be interviewing Greg Garrett. Lucy is the creator of the Who Am I series and the co-founder of the Quantum Questions. She has also been a breath coach for over 30 years, leading seminars and running a private practice. Greg Garrett is an entrepreneur. He was a self-made millionaire through property development. He was poor, rich, and is now a practitioner of yoga and esoteric inquiry. If you would like to know more about the Quantum Questions, please go to the website www.thequantumquestions.com. Hi, I'm Lucy Pattinson, and I'd like to welcome all our listeners to the Quantum Questions podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today. We'll be looking at the multi-layered subject of what is wealth, and I've got great pleasure in having Greg Garrett here today. Greg is a friend, a co-founder of The Quantum Questions, but he's also been on an extremely interesting journey in the material world. He started in humble beginnings and then became an entrepreneur, went into property development, made, lost, made millions. And at the moment, he's now in a place of a much more humble spiritual approach to that material world. So I'm fascinated to hear your views on the subject of what is wealth. So over to you, Greg, what is it? Well, wealth is, is really um, colored by our perspective, which from my own journey is um, colored by the time space coordinate that we find ourselves in through the um, ever-changing ages that we go through from childhood through adolescence into adulthood even even if adulthood is only in name because society calls it adulthood um so you know as a as a child i i believed i was extremely wealthy and um, the reason i now looking back on it believe i was extremely wealthy was because i would class myself as awake and you know that awakeness um contained an alertness um, a brightness and an expansion and so something the looking back on i didn't really appreciate fully until I'd um, diminished it and lost it. Yet wealth at, at that moment in time, and I think if you tune into it, it becomes quite obvious that we haven't got money as a child, um, unless obviously our parents are surrounding us with that as a, as a resource. Yeah, as individuals, it's it's not something that we care for or are concerned about. And so wealth in those surroundings, yeah, for sure we want to be fed because this body temple organism is is crying out for uh, for nourishment, for food, the physical and biological aspects are, are needing to be um, to be served. 
Um, so, so wealth, really, you're going to find in asking me, it's, it's an ever-changing um, currency and commodity. And in fact, even I've never thought about it this way before now, you know, as an ever-changing currency, you know, it could be that we travel through a series of um, different countries or nationalities ourselves from birth um, to the grave. And, you know, as we travel through each of those places, wealth, we find, is a different currency. You know, wealth for a child might be in the form of, um, you know, the loving mother, the doting father. Um, as, a, as a youngster or a teenager, you, we could really value the, um, the interests of our parents and our friends. Um, and then, you know, wealth, as I say, as a currency does change as the years go by. Um, I went through a period where, you know, wealth I would describe as, as money and, and, and finance and um, feel that I was misdirected by that. And the reason that I say that is because as a, as a fully functioning, balanced, harmonious individual, those capacities I began to lose. You know, I, I lost balance because the pursuit of wealth in the form of money and finance tends to be very narrow focused, um, you know, fairly one dimensional, albeit you can be chasing a number of different projects. The end result at the year after is to accumulate more money and therefore to grow or swell the size of your bank account. Yeah, in, in pursuing wealth in that way, what I found was the, you know, my health would suffer. Um, albeit I would train harder at the gym, um, you know, things like paying attention then to my biological needs. So through food and nutrition, you know, that would suffer. So, you know, for people who appreciate health is wealth, um, I was definitely abusing that. And then other things that I was abusing, I'd, I'd become disconnected to the beauty of the planet and nature and the things around me. So I was definitely not connected to that natural wealth that surrounded me. Um, and then also through um, family life, another disconnection was um, not being, and you know, big word that, that is spoken over and over in, in the language of today, certainly in personal development is, being in the now, being present, which definitely represents a form of wealth. Yet when we're focused into um, a narrow band, like money as an example, then we're disconnected from what I now come to understand as, as true wealth. So. Do you think that you've come to this understanding through having gone through being a millionaire, having gone through that journey? And, and how would someone right now who's broke, got loads of debt, who's never been on that um, financial success, they might just think it's crazy what you're saying because 
surely money buys you comfort it takes away all these headaches problems people have yeah so uh, it's 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 an interesting um, question something i've pondered a lot and you know there is a saying i think it goes something like money buy money can buy you jet skis and jet skis when you get on them make you smile and smiling makes you feel good and therefore the conclusion is that you know having money is good and you know there's a lot of temporary things that money can buy um like jet skis and there's a lot of temporary experiences that you can purchase in the material world as a consequence of having money and so so therefore you know but those temporary aspects you know they're a little bit it's it's like sugar where you know sugar gives you a quick high a quick boost of energy a quick kick and and therefore it distracts us from what i would call long-term wealth or balanced wealth inside of which everything is coming into harmony not just the size of the bank account yeah all the other factors that we you know like love is important and connection and friendship um you know however people describe that um interconnected um part of of their relationships with other human beings you know it's that's a significant marker in terms of wealth one that i've not enjoyed i believe as much as i could have done or should have done or one that i valued highly enough at the times that it was beginning to materialize in the world for me so so for those people who feel that okay yeah it's easy for greg to say it you know my um my, my encouragement to them is you know by all means there's nothing wrong with pursuing wealth provided that in, in the form of money provided we bring self-awareness to it so and when you listen to say a story like mine i'm then giving you an alternative perspective a lens through which you may observe this pursuit or journey that you go on and as a consequence accelerate the experience you know that's what i believe all the human beings who have been on a path before us are here to do when they capture it in written form or or verbal form like we're doing now is we give other human beings the opportunity to still have an experience yet accelerate it um and you know i've also noticed the just to broaden the perspective for people to broaden their awareness and their view i've noticed so many people in life who accumulate a lot of wealth who were then so unhappy simply because they're scared of losing it yes i and, know i know a few of those you know too. a few of those and then then you, the, you know and that that there's a real sadness to that because you know then if we get all the people who haven't got any money and they're observing these people who have got some who uh, who were scared of losing it well then we get the other group as well those that are not necessarily scared of losing it but demented by the questions it brings with regards to redistribution at the point of death so inheritance yeah so 
So the godly, let's talk about the godly um, or, or, or the, the universal communication that comes through this um, substance that people equate to wealth. But I, you know, I'm going to be discussing it as a much broader equation. But if money were to equal wealth, then regardless of the end of the spectrum that you're on, having none or having a phenomenal fortune, I, I just see people being demented at both ends and therefore, you know, and being agitated, frustrated, concerned, worried. And so the conclusion I came to is, okay, it doesn't matter whether I've got none or I've got a lot of it. If I don't refine the instrument through which I observe it and channel it, then I'm just going to be in exactly the same um, problematic situation as these groups. And the part, we're looking at the polarized groups. Yeah. That these, polar, these people have either entered the poles um, because the instrument through which we perceive and then destroy or enjoy this um, substance called money is the mind. So, you know, our, our ability to be able to be wealthy regardless of whether we've got none or we've got a lot of wealth comes back to how well we how good our relationship is with the instrument that we have called the mind so how have you come to this place greg i mean did you have feelings of true wealth when you had millions i mean or was that a time when you were one of these people that was worrying about money when you had money, for example? Okay, so, so I, I had quite an interesting series of formulas going on. So when I had money, a um, couple of things happened. Um, a, the expenses went up exponentially. Yeah. So therefore you know, we can call it the financial treadmill or hamster wheel. And, and I know there'll be people listening who, um, who are structurally brilliant, who are saying, ah, you know, you had the wrong formula and, you know, you should have been putting X amount aside and doing Y number of things. And, you know, and I, I, I really, I do get those formulas. I do understand them. And there's a certain amount of, um, of truth in, the formulas that can not only allow you to attract wealth, which clearly I was given the gift of and was very good at, but also then there's formulas in, in terms of retaining wealth. And they then involve other aspects, which again come from the mind, which we'll just for now called, um, called disciplines. So if, if we can discipline the mind, we can discipline ourselves. Yet there was I with significant amounts of wealth pouring in towards me and um, significant amounts of wealth pouring out in the form of overheads. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, the house gets bigger, the car gets faster or the cars because, you know, his and hers. And then once children start driving, you know, we start to invest in more vehicles and um, maybe second homes, which is significantly expensive. Um, but then you decide, well, do you know what? Let's get a, you know, a cleaner, um, a gardener, 
you know, and th this list of expenses can just go on and on and yeah, on and endless. on. Endless. Yeah, because endless you until you... What about the boat? <laughs> what about the boat? Yeah, then you create the mini economy. Um, you know, so you've, you've got this mini economy, but then you don't travel second class. You know, you travel first class and all of a sudden it's like up it goes but now you've got so much going on and you've got so many expenses to manage that you need to hire someone and pay them to manage all your outgoing expenses so so you know to 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 smile at it is important yet to just appreciate this hamster wheel you know and i'm referring to myself as a hamster here which is probably unfair on hamsters because they're probably brighter than this you know i was just filling my pouch with things and then getting quicker and quicker and quicker um, on the treadmill. So, so the money was pouring in, the money was pouring out. And then I, I have to do more and more deals. You know, I've got a, you know, I was in, heavily involved in money, finance and property. So I'm looking constantly for more opportunities. They don't all go well. And, you know, it's, it's about averages, you know, as long as more go well than go bad, then you're always ahead of the game. I, I was fortunate that was the case. Um, for me, you do get a better eye for things, you become better at discerning. So, you know, th those things definitely help. Um, yeah, this, this inflow and outflow aspect just keeps you incredibly busy. And now notice what's happening. You're busy in the external world. There's actually no time for you to stop, to go inside, or at least you don't believe there is. And there's that famous um, saying, which again, it brings a huge smile to my face. When people now say to me, how long should I meditate for? And I go, you know, really, if you could start by, you know, doing an hour a day and they're, they're like horrified, oh my God. An hour, where am I going to find an hour? And I know that place, that's exactly where it was. And then you say to them, okay, so for you, you need to do two hours a day. And, and, and you, know, we, you know, even people laugh about this, but it's true. Because the disconnection from self in terms of our own interior world, and then let's go to, you know, the disciplines of the mind, that are required to actually bring us back into balance, to get us off the hamster wheel, to reappraise, to realign. And then through, the, through balancing not only our relationship with ourself, our body, our physical health, maybe our spiritual life that some people refer to, our, our mental well-being through peace of mind and quietness, we actually then rebalance our relationship with this external substance called money. We also reappraise and rebalance our relationship with nature. And so, so what I found through the journey I've been on is that if people want the universal key to satisfy and answer all aspects of their existence, it's, it's the word balance. And if you can bring balance to everything, which, by the way, is a, it's a huge bar. It's, it's, a, it's a big adventure. It's a big journey. Um, yeah, it's one worth going on because the beauty that then flows from you is, is balance in, in all aspects um, of your life, in all relationships. 
um, and through that balance and that harmony comes happiness. And true wealth. True wealth, yeah, yeah. So you, you're giving very uh, negative side to having financial wealth. There must have been a rather lovely side as well, surely. Yeah, do you know, the, the, I, I, really, I really experienced looking back on it, the, you know, the, 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 the lovely side of it, and I'm just, just sitting with my heart with this, the lovely side of it, people may see if I gave them a list of the destinations that I visited and they might say, ah, oh, well, that must have been lovely. And, you know, there were lovely elements to it or, you know, and, but in terms of the overall aspect of was it really lovely? The answer is no. You know, I'll give you, give you some reasons for it. You know, often the kids, my kids would love going to Florida and, um, visiting the theme parks and, you know, we, we just get a big house out there. We'd fly out, we'd have a big car, Cadillac. And, you know, we go to lots of restaurants and it all sounds amazing. But inside of all of that is, is dad's constantly on the phone having to continue to, you know, do deals. Yeah, because, I see, yeah. Because we're on the, so, and people don't, People only see the, ah, you went there and you went here and you went there. And, you know, so what would happen inside of this, what appears to be a, you know, phenomenal um, set of experiences that are being had, there's new tensions forming and arising. And I'm just using the phone as an obvious example, where, you know, and then because of the difference in the time, which was both a curse and a blessing, because you'd only have to spend so long on the phone every day. Um, but then also equally, you know, something else people wouldn't necessarily enjoy is that depending on how the work is being done, you've got more and more challenges arising in, in, in the background. You know, maybe you've got a legal dispute on a boundary. Um, you've got a neighbor that isn't enjoying what you're doing next door. Um, you know, you've, you've got um, some sort of dispute going on with the inland revenue, which I was very good at. Um, and so you've got all these other tensions that come with so-called financial um, successes. But all of them are simply, again, reflective of the mind space that you're in. So the point that I wanted to make is that everywhere you go, you always take you with you. Everywhere you go, you always take your mind with you. Yeah. So if your mind is agitated and distracted and you've not settled it and balanced it, it doesn't really matter where you're going. The enjoyment will be cut short as a, as a consequence. And it's cut short by yourself because of your perception, your interpretation, and how you've trained yourself to view the world. So what changed, Greg? Uh, so you, you had this money, then you didn't, then you did. What, where are you at now? Because you certainly seem very happy, very balanced, very peaceful. What changed? Yeah, so what changed was 
first of all, um, uh, what people may refer to as um, a dark night of the soul, a, um, a, a happening that was so big and so significant that it meant I had to, for me, I had to change the way that I was approaching, the way that I was interacting with the world around me. And that took the shape of a court case um, where I was um, pursued by the Inland Revenue who claimed that I'd committed a fraud um, and in all told, it, it, it consumed 14 years of my life. Wow, that's and a lot of time. A lot of time, yeah. And, and even though, because some people then, it's quite funny because when you start to tell the story, they were like, well, what happened? What happened? You know, by the fact that I'm sat in front of you having the conversation, I was found innocent. But the approach that the revenue took because they didn't like what myself and a couple of other people had done. And they openly expressed this. They said, you know, we're going to arrest you because we can. And then whether we're right or wrong, we're going to ask the questions later because they, yeah, they just didn't like what we'd done. And, you know, and, and in hindsight, you know, what we'd done was we'd taken shortcuts that weren't necessary. And we, why did we take the shortcuts? Well, because we could. But if you look at that from a, a cultural point of view, you know, life pretty much around us is about quick hits, shortcuts, get things done quickly. And so I, I was modeling the environment that I'd been brought up in. And actually, if I'd have just gone a little bit more slowly and gone the long way around, I wouldn't have spent 14 years in the system, which by the way, no amount of money would have replaced the 14, 14 years in the system. So, um, so sometimes people now talk about hacks and shortcuts. Realization for me is really there are none. And if you're thinking about hacks and shortcuts, if the hack is you hacking into say, your biology, it's something that naturally exists that you've just discovered. It's not really a hack. It's something that naturally exists that you've just discovered. But when you're into money and finance and you're thinking about taking shortcuts, then really take the time to pause and ask yourself, am I being fully aware of all of the possibilities, doing the what if, asking the what if questions? Because something that might appear like a good idea in the short term can have massive financial and time consequences in the long term. So there was I um, sat in the court system and I had this thought of, do you know what? I'm really so unhappy in this world that I've created where I'm on this hamster wheel and I'm really doing all these things to support the lives and the lifestyles of, of the people around me. But right at the center of it, you know, I'm unhappy. And actually I was so unhappy, and this will sound shocking to a lot of the listeners, but it, it was just the honest place I was at. I was like, well, I'd rather get sent down than go back to, to this life, or it was called a life, 
of just constant pressure and agitation. And so, they so more of a prison than a prison would be. A hundred percent, Lucy. Yeah, so much more of a prison. You know, prison was looking appealing at this moment in time. Yeah. And and at and at that point, you 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 got to say to yourself, this is insanity. This is this is flawed so deeply that change has to happen now. So. I then committed to myself, and it was over a couple of days, which was fairly short in, from a temporal point of view, that I was going to win this case, get out of this situation that I was in, and, and completely turn my life around, which meant I was, and the word that I kept using was authenticity. I wanted to show the authentic me to my children and to the world. And that that pursuit of authenticity that began at that moment in time continues right up until this moment now. And, you know, we must be now seven years on from, from me being sat in the courtroom. So what um, was the very first thing you did that, that was pursuing your authentic self? Yeah, so the, the, the first thing that I did was I went and um, declared, um, because I had this unfortunate um, set of circumstances going on where when the Inland Revenue were pursuing you, I would, you know, say to, and in the broader sense, family members, look, you know, not only have I done nothing wrong, we've done nothing wrong, you know, the truth will hear us out here. And people would look at me and say, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. As, if, as if I was this deluded human being and, and the authorities were right on this. It's like, you know, these things. And again, to be fair to them, even the barristers and solicitors were saying, you do realize people don't win these cases. Um, you do realize if they've taken you this far, that there's something like really um, important for them to, to, to deal with. Um, but this, this external um, showing for a lack of support for me, who was the person who provided like day in, day out, year in, year out, from as early as I could remember, I was like, right, enough of this. And actually, you know, at, back on the home front, it was more people were concerned. And I've seen this in funeral settings as well as in this situation with myself, where people are concerned about their own sense of desperation. So even though I'm the one in court and the one in the dock, the individuals are all, can all, they're all consumed by their own fears and weaknesses and frailties. And, you know, so I would want to go home of a weekend and just, you know, hide, be still, go, go walk up a mountain, ride a bike, um, because we're talking about an incredible intensity. And yeah, I had to step back in then to people not believing that I was innocent, but also people who then beyond that were just concerned with their own circumstances. So the, the initial step into authenticity was for me to say, yeah, stop, enough. I'm actually, I'm done with 
everyone in this context and for the right reasons because if i didn't create space for myself i was never going to be able to heal so so the first step towards authenticity was to create the space which meant saying to my wife at the time look this relationship that we're in is so toxic on so many levels which it was I need to, for me, I need to step out of this. And then probably one of the darkest, deepest nights of my soul was being able to communicate this message to my children. And, um, you know, and that was incredibly painful. Yeah, it was also a testimony to the fact that I was courageous enough to begin to take steps on this journey. And I think after speaking to the children, I think I cried nonstop for three days. I had pains in my stomach that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, you know, there were things changing and moving in, in me at a physical and, and, and I would describe as a metaphysical uh, layer. It, you know, so so they, they were the first steps that I made um while still in the case at the time yeah and now you're happy greg so tell us a little bit about how you found such happiness and i've known you for several years and you've been happy ever since i've known you yeah I, i'm just so people aren't you know deluded you know that there, there are definitely moments for me you know, the, a much shorter now, um, where, you know, I still need to process things. I'm still growing and evolving, uh, and life continues to show up moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day. So, you know, we're, we're constantly being asked to continue to process yet, you know, the, the, the happiness comes about because we pursue it. We, set a goal, an intention, an outcome, which is I'm committed to being a happy person. And there's a number of fundamentals then that are challenges that we have to be courageous enough and brave enough to overcome in the pursuit of happiness or the pursuit of true wealth. And what one of them is that the mind actually is programmed towards negativity bias. Now, it's therefore, you know, that voice in your head that I refer to sometimes as the shitty committee. You know, we, you know, we have to learn to re-deal with that voice, which, by the way, is, again, it's, it's a huge climb. And it requires daily endeavors in pursuing what I'll call the happiness of the mind, which another way of understanding that is being able to use positive visualization. What else does that include? Well, the mind left unattended will project issues, problems, concerns, worries, agitation. When we get in control of the mind and we begin to understand it as a tool or an instrument, we begin to project positively. What does that mean? We see opportunities where other people see problems, concerns, and worries. You know, we, we can see 
you know, through and beyond either immediately or much more quickly to um, a place that is for the good of yourself and the good of everyone, where most people are sat fundamentally experiencing fears and worries at what is happening, unfolding, or, or what will come to pass in the long term. So this positive um, imagination, positive thoughts, this is really, um, I would say, a starting point for people. And what's coupled with that is simply, and I say simply, but it's making a decision to say, I have an outcome and the outcome is for me to be happy moment to moment, day to day. And if you imagine that that outcome was you firing an arrow out of a bow, then no matter how far away the target is, provided it's got enough energy, the arrow is going to continue with a straight course towards the target, the target being your happiness, true wealth, I would call it in this world. Nothing distracts or deviates you from the target. You know, the news is going to show up. You're going to have naysayers. You're going to have people arguing, telling you you're nuts, you're mad. But as long as you're fundamentally committed to it, all of the resources either are available or you begin to observe them. Resources in the shape of, you know, new friendships, new teachers, new environments that come in, in, in into your, your world. So people, places and things begin to show up. Why? Because you've got this incredible commitment to this thing called happiness. Well, what was I substituting? You know, my target used to be money. And now my target was, was happiness. So I actually had the skills. I just had to redeploy them into, uh, into another area and then pursue them as, as vigorously and as, in as determined a way as I used to pursue the resource called money. That's amazing. The last question I wanted to ask you, Greg, um, because it's nice to leave listeners with something they can do in their daily lives. And Britain is, I think, currently the fifth richest country in the world, but apparently 80% of people have less than a thousand pounds. They're either in debt or they have really tiny savings. So probably the majority of our listeners right now are in that category. So what can people do who are possibly working long hours, they've got people to support, they don't have any cushions to fall back on, but what could they do on a daily basis to start stepping towards wealth in, in the largest sense of the world word, not world word? <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, what people can do to step towards um, wealth there's a there's really there's a lot of answers to this um the first one for people who want let's say mental wealth or mental health and, and well-being is to begin to look at the world through um optimistic eyes as opposed to pessimistic eyes and there's a great metaphor in uh, one of stephen covey's books the seven habits and it's to do with the prescription on glasses. So imagine having a prescription for optimism as opposed to a prescription for pessimism. 
And for those people who look optimistically on the world, then they will begin to see things in the world that were always there that they didn't see before. What's the reason for that? Well, when we look pessimistically, we have blind spots. And the blind spots are created because we see a world pessimistically, therefore we see challenges, issues, and problems. So for those people who want mental health I, 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 and well-being, I would say begin to look at the world um, optimistically. Another clue, and again, slightly repeating myself, but it's good inside of this subject matter, is set a goal. Set a goal for what it is that you really want. Now, the only way, so it, whether it's a financial goal or whether, you know, currently you're not enjoying the best of health, physical or, or mental that we just talked about, you know, set a goal and begin to notice what it is that is preventing you from achieving the goal. Because what's preventing you from achieving the goal is the thing that you currently need to learn to overcome. So let's just say that you set a goal and then you start to say, I've just got enough, not got enough time. I've not, let me tell you. Could you give an example, Greg, an example? Yeah. So, um, okay. So an example may be, I, I'll, I'll give you a financial example just to, um, you know, because I think actually making a lot of money isn't as difficult as people make it. So let's just say um, someone says, I want to make a million pounds. And that's the goal that they're going for. And then they wake up in the morning and they're like, oh my God, this is just impossible. This is too far away. Now, look where they've gone. They've already gone into pessimism. They've gone into I can't. So I, if I was stood next to the person, so say I'm the angel that is fluttering around next to them, and I'm given five minutes every day to reorientate them. So the first thing I'd be saying is, do you know anybody who's made a million? And we need to start to, you know, like you're communicating with me about wealth. We need to start to begin to create a wealth mindset because the type of mindset that's now causing them to experience pessimism on day one of this journey to a million pounds is the opposite mindset that they need to get there. So if I was a doctor, I'd be saying, yeah, you're not well, um, you're pessimistic. My prescription is, I'm going to give you a prescription for optimism. And they're like, oh, well, can I collect it at the dispensary? And I'll say, yeah, but the dispensary is you must find a person who's already achieved this before and start to have a conversation with them about how they did it. Now, see, so, so then they find a person and they're like, oh, well, it's easy for them because, and then like, listen to the language, oh, it's easy for them because. So I turn up again, fluttering on their shoulder. And I say, well, let's question them about what they had to overcome in order to make it look easy for them because they will have had similar and different challenges to the one you're facing. It's just that they brought forward things like perseverance. So they developed the right attitudes that were needed in order to, to create wealth. So, so then we, they, we set about and they go, ah, I've got it. Yeah. I'm, I'm too defeatist. I give up too easily. And I say, yeah, that's right. And then they go, and 
I'm also suffering from inertia. I've not got, uh, I don't, um, I need to get, find more energy. And then they might find, you know, I need to get my body fitter, healthier body, healthier mind. They start running. All of a sudden they're like, ah, I'm overcoming the inertia now. So even though the fitness didn't look like it was directly related to the wealth, it was. And then I turn up again and they go, oh God, you know what? Well, I'm fitter now and I, I'm running longer and people around me are seeing positive changes in me. Um, but do you know what? It just seems such a long way away, this million pounds. And then I turn up floating around again and I say, ah, so clearly you're observing the wrong strategies. You're observing strategies that you think are going to take you a long time. So what we need to do is find strategies that allow you to create a million in a much shorter space of time. And ironically, I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, uh, so following the divorce, I gave everything um, to my wife, but I kept 70,000, which was my uh, money that I needed to, um, to, for cash flow in order to pay my uh, maintenance payments, which was significant and just maintain my way of life. But over a period of three years on paper, I was back to over 5 million in, in, in wealth. So, you know, there are strategies. Um, and actually, even now I'm smiling because I can see much quicker, more harmonious ways to arrive at that place um, than some of the strategies that I would have employed then. Why? Well, because I've upgraded my thinking. I've upgraded the models that I know that exist for for manifesting wealth in the world. Um, so, so what you begin, you set the target, but all the things that begin to defeat you are what? They're just problems at the level of the mind. So, so the journey that people need to go on is to constantly learn to overcome the self-limiting beliefs that they're promoting and arguing for constantly that actually are no more than um, hypnotism or hallucinations. What, why can we, and pe people will say, oh, wow, this, this is a bold claim. Well, they are hallucinations and they are hypnotism. Why? Well, because so many other people overcame them. So many other people in the world adopted the opposite type of thought and got the result that you're after. So, you know, I'm a great believer in, you know, if you, if you start with a person as a resource and they are open to, I mean, really open to change, then they can change any set of circumstances provided they are open-minded and number two, they put the effort in. And what I find in life is most people, and there's some super bright people, who've got all the resources in terms of mental agility and ability and huge amounts of mental capacity and resources. But they're just lazy. They're just, they're full of inertia. And so, you know, if I was working with them and coaching them and supporting them, I'd be constantly burrowing into that inertia, you know, helping them to get out of bed early, to jump into a cold shower, to make new decisions about their, you know, their health and their vitality in order to bring that spring back into their step. 
um, to bring that youth and vitality. Now, let me, let me clarify this. Here am I, and I know you know this, but we laugh about it, but here am I at 50 years of age. And it took me to the age of 50 to be able to touch my toes for the first time. <laughs> you know, why was that? Because I set it as a goal. And then I constantly had to work on different yoga exercises. There was tension in my hips. Where's that coming from? The mind, I had to learn to let go of that. Tension in my hamstrings. Where's uh, in my mind, I had to learn to let go of that. Tension in my calves. I had to learn to let, eventually what happens at the age of 50. And I was super fit at certain points in my life, but I, I couldn't touch my toes. All of a sudden, flexibility in the mind, flexibility in the body. Greg at the age of 50 touches his toes. It's no different than setting a goal to do with wealth and working towards untightening all the things that are over tightening, letting go such that you've got flexibility of mind, body, and spirit, and then manifesting the uh, whatever it is that you want into the world is much, it's so easy as a consequence of that. In a way, it sounds like ABC and enjoy it. Learn the ABC and enjoy the process. Yeah, and Lucy, you saying it, it's so magical because we can say it so easily. And we could sit down with any individual soul right now, get them super pumped up, and they'd be like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. And then if we had a camera on them getting out of bed in the morning, we might be sat on the edge going, ah, here they come. Oh, they're about to enter into the ABC. And they're like, and they roll over and hit snooze. And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> so half an A. <laughs> And that's the challenge then, you see. Yeah, exactly, half an A. But even that just becomes the starting point. And, and I've got to be fair to the listeners. You know, I believe we are born with certain, um, um, certain gifts and abilities. Um, you know, my belief is we've earned them over time. So, you know, wherever you are, um, as Yogananda used to say, you know, wherever you are, I too have also been. And therefore, you know, whether you overcome and get through the ABC now, today, this week, this month, this year, there will come a point in your existence, there's a clue in existence, where you will have to overcome the ABC. And what you will also achieve, and I don't know when it is, you will also achieve great wealth. And then you'll get to ponder it in similar and different ways to me, you'll also, in, in a financial way, you'll also achieve great wealth in a spiritual way. And someone recently said, you must learn to climb the spiritual mountain, the financial mountain, and then the mountain behind those two that integrates them both. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a real a pleasure listening to you. I've learned quite a lot here and I'm sure our listeners have too. Um, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. This has been the Quantum Questions production. If you would like to know more about the Quantum Questions, please go to the website www.thequantumquestions.com.